the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Glory, Glory to you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the wall. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I, will, that I give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, 
the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the Gospel of Christ. I want to start by asking us a question. Uh, it's not a super skill testing question, but I want you to think about the last time you had a conversation about God. When was the last time you had a significant conversation about God, about faith or spirituality, uh, about Jesus, maybe with uh, a friend or another Christian? Uh, or maybe someone who shares a different faith or no faith at all. Recently, I was uh, chatting with uh, a woman who's an artist, and twice a month we've been opening up our space uh, for artists to come and use. And she came to Creative Space and said, you know, uh, if we were able to use your space more frequently, uh, I would love to come and participate in this program and be a part of this ministry on a regular basis. Uh, so we decided to start a residency program uh, where emerging artists, a group of five, uh, will do a six-month res residency uh, at St. Aidan's. And over the six months, they're going to be creating works of art. And at the end, we're going to have an art show here at St. Aidan's and in the beach neighborhood. It's really exciting. And when I first met this artist, she said to me, uh, you know, I'm not particularly religious, maybe spiritual. And then she shared this conversation that she'd had with a Christian friend uh, who said to her uh, that her artistic abilities were a gift from God, were a way that God had made her. Because when she graduated from OCAD, uh, she was debating whether she actually wanted to pursue her craft because it was so hard to be an artist in today's world. And just that conversation about God sparked in her the desire to pursue her art form that she was gifted for. I remember in university uh, having a significant spiritual conversation uh, with the pastor of the church I was attending. I went to the University of Guelph 
Uh, and he met me in the UC, uh, which is a big sort of cafeteria area. We got a Tim Hortons coffee and sat down, and he drew this diagram. I was sharing that I was having a hard time figuring life out. I was a theater major, I played varsity volleyball, uh, I was trying to do church stuff and ministering, discern all these things. And he said, you know, Matt, your life is kind of like a wheel. And he, he drew this old-fashioned wheel made of wood, you know, with the round and the spokes and the center uh, bit there. And he said, your life is like this, this, this wheel. And as long as you have God uh, at the center of this wheel, you'll be able to continue moving through life. But he also said that the spokes in the wheel needed to feed and connect with my relationship with God. And it's an image that stuck with me and that shaped my life at that time to say, how can I put God at the center of my life? How can the different parts of my life connect to my relationship with God? It was a significant spiritual conversation for me. And yet conversations like this, they don't happen all the time. Maybe some of you and I asked when the last time you had a conversation about God was a long time ago. Uh, maybe never, I don't know. It got me thinking, why is it so hard to have conversations about God uh, with other people, even people we know and trust? I think a part of it, one reason may be that it's hard to find safe people, safe places where you can build trust, uh, where you know that you're not going to be judged for your views. Um, where you can be open and honest and build a relationship of mutual giving and receiving. It's hard to find relationships like that. It's hard to find places in the world where you can have those kinds of conversations. And yet, in our gospel reading, we have Jesus having this significant spiritual conversation with a woman of Samaria. How did he do it? How did he enter into this dialogue with this woman, because it seemed to have a huge impact on the Samaritan woman's life. At the end of the story, she leaves her water jar, the very reason she went to the well, and runs back and tells her friends in the city that she's met the Messiah. And then they come and meet Jesus. And then they invite Jesus back to their home to spend two days with him. So it was obviously a significant conversation that had an impact on this woman. And why was that the case? What was it about this conversation that was so impactful in this woman's life? Well, the first thing you may have noticed in the reading is that it says where the conversation took place. That it wasn't just any well, it was the well that their ancestor Jacob uh, had created. That, that Samaritans and Jews uh, held different faiths, but they came from the same origins. So they were kind of on a common ground, a mutual place. And it was out in public. It was, you know, the middle of the day, and they were just getting water. And Jesus was tired, uh, and he was there. And so what happens in the story is actually quite hilarious. If you go back and read it, uh, there is quite a lot of sarcastic humor in the story. Sometimes it's lost on us, uh, but it's actually a comical kind of dialogue. You know, you may have noticed how often Marguerite said, then Jesus said, then she said, then Jesus said. It was obvious that they were both engaged in this spiritual conversation. 
that it wasn't Jesus just talking at her or down to her, that it was a mutual giving and receiving. It was almost playful uh, in a way. And the obvious thing about this story, may not, may not be obvious to everyone, is that Jesus is talking to a woman. Uh, you know, at the, the end, the disciples say, they didn't say, why are you talking to a woman? Uh, but he did. He crossed those boundaries of, in, in a society that valued men much more than it valued women. Jesus broke down that barrier and talked to her. But she wasn't just a woman. Uh, she was a woman of Samaria. And Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. They didn't like each other. And yet Jesus is crossing uh, a cultural boundary, an ethnic boundary, a religious boundary. The other thing to know is that it says she was drawing water in the middle of the day. So she was probably outcast from her community, which we find a little later on. Why would you go in the heat of the day uh, to draw water? You'd go in the morning, right? But here she is, on her own, going to gather water in the middle of the day. And so Jesus knows there's something going on with this woman. And yet through the gender and the ethnicity and the religion, Jesus doesn't judge her. He includes her. He welcomes her. He has this conversation with her. But it's not just any old conversation. Jesus begins to talk about living water, uh, that he can offer water that's just not from the well, water that will last forever. And so Jesus takes what seems to be an ordinary conversation, and he takes it deeper to a spiritual level. And he reveals to her that he is the Messiah, the one that they're waiting for to tell them everything. Eventually, she believes. She goes and tells her friends, and they believe. So how do we have those kinds of conversation that Jesus had with this woman? Well, think about it again. How do we cross boundaries and stereotypes and differences? How do we withhold judgment from people, even when we know their sin, even when we know their background? How do we take ordinary conversations about life to something that's a little deeper? And how do we talk about Jesus with each other or with other people? How do we have those kinds of conversations? It's something for us to wrestle with, to struggle with, to try and grow in. And the interesting thing about the disciples in this story they come back, right, and they say, Jesus, you should eat something. And he says, no, I have food that you know nothing of to do the will of him who sent me to complete his work. That there was something about this spiritual conversation that fed Jesus' soul in a way that food couldn't. That this conversation about God and faith fed the very core of his being and gave him life. That it wasn't just about his faith and his life he shared with the woman, but somehow this impacted Jesus. Jesus was even transformed through this conversation, and his mission became even more clear. This past week, I was uh, shopping. I went to Sobeys up on Danforth. I don't know if you've ever been. I never went, but they had some diapers and formula on sale, so I wanted to check it out. Uh, they didn't have any in the end, actually, but it still made the trip. 
and I ran into uh, a guy that comes to the Euchre night. So in the fall, we had some neighbors of the church who wanted to start a Euchre night. Uh, so we said, sure, why not? And so I said, I have to be there if we're going to do this. It needs to be more than just kind of a rental or a freebie. So I've been going, Beth's been going, a few people from St. Aidan's have been going, and it's been a lot of people from the neighborhood. It's been neat to see these different connections. And this guy showed up on the first night, and he was just a live wire, just totally unpredictable, a uh, lot of character, and just gave life to the conversation. And so we're planning to have a year-end party and tournament on April 1st. And he said to me, so I'd love to DJ. I'd love to, to spin the wheel a little bit. I've never done it in public, but I'd love to DJ this, this Euchre tournament. I said, sure, why not? I mean, you know, it's not a huge thing, and if people come, it'd be nice to have some, some music. So I ran into him at Sobeys this week, and he's saying, you know, he's so excited about the playlist he's doing, but he's really trying to be sensitive to the language, you know? A lot of, you know, secular music, some cussing and swearing, he said, we're in a church, you know? I said, well, don't worry about it too much. Uh, we're not Catholic, we're not Baptists, uh, we're Anglican, uh, so just take it easy, we're not gonna judge you. Maybe a little gray area is okay. And then something interesting happened. He said, you know, this is the first time I've connected with the church in a long time. That growing up as a kid, I was exposed to a version of Christianity that was very damaging in my life. That was very oppressive, very manipulative. And he's gotta be in his late 40s, and this is his first connection uh, with the spiritual community, all through a Ukrainite. And my role at St. Aidan's is to help us engage our community. In some ways, to use Jesus' analogy, my role is to till the soil and to plant the seeds. But Jesus says the fields are ripe for harvesting. That as we build these relationships, we all need to be involved in learning to have spiritual conversations with those who are seeking. To learn from Jesus, to build these relationships and have these kinds of conversations that are life-giving, that are mutual. So much of people's experience of Christianity and religion is very negative. And so how do we follow Jesus' example to have conversations about faith and about God that are actually life-giving? You know, the guy I met at Sobeys, I didn't say anything in particular in that moment. I just listened, and I said, I know, it's tough. It's hard, I hear you. But now he knows that I'm a safe person, that I'm not gonna judge him, that I'm not gonna try and get him to come to church on a Sunday morning, that he feels safe here to have these kinds of conversations. And my hope and my prayer is that this kind of ministry of engaging in conversations about God grows and grows and grows and grows at St. Aidan's. And one of the ways we learn to do that is with each other. You know, if we can't talk about Jesus and about God with each other as people of faith or as people who are seeking and who are skeptical and doubting but feel safe here, if we can't talk about Jesus together, then how are we going to share our faith and our questions and our doubts with the world? Mm -hmm.